0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church on this Pentecost Sunday. It is good to be with you in worship this morning. Uh, just a, a couple of announcements to share with you. Uh, tomorrow evening, the administrative board will be meeting. Normally, we would have been meeting this past Thursday, but but that got shifted to this uh, to tomorrow evening at six thirty. And uh, one, of the, one of the items on the agenda will be uh, the changes to the CDC guidelines and the changes with the state of Ohio mandates that are ending on June 2nd and how that will affect our church what we will be doing. And uh, that is an open meeting. Uh, Only the administrative board can vote, but anybody can come and participate in the meeting. Uh, So I just want to let you know about that. I also want to let you know where my mind is. I'm going to be recommending to the administrative board that we do drop all of our restrictions as of June 2nd, along with the the state. And uh, so that's what we're going to be discussing. Uh, If you feel strongly about that one way or the other, you're welcome to uh, share your thoughts with me. My email address is on the front of your bulletin, so I welcome you to, to email me or call me or uh, speak with me about your concerns, and uh, we will have that meeting tomorrow evening. We do have one more Sunday in between now and June 2nd, and so just ask for your patience uh, as we go through this transition so that we can make a, a careful, deliberate decision and get the word out to everybody so that we can move forward, uh, everybody on the same foot. Uh, so just uh, thank you for, for your patience and for your cooperation through all of this uh, time that, that we've been going through. Also, just want to let you know that uh, at the 11 o'clock service today, we're having our graduate recognition, and I just wanted to let you know about that at this service as well. We're we're recognizing our two high school graduates, which are Isabel Wickline and Nathan Wagner, and they are both graduating high school, and we're going to be recognizing them at the 11 o'clock service, but I just wanted to make you aware of that at this service as well so that you can be praying for them uh, as they transition into uh, the next stage of life for each of them. It is Pentecost Sunday, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will be showering upon us this day in worship. I invite you to stand as you are able and join in the call to worship printed in the bulletin.
1: Morning. Please join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. Come sing a new song of worship.
0: Come sing a new song of praise.
1: Today is a day of a promise fulfilled. With
0: joy, we celebrate Pentecost.
1: Pentecost, a day when power and comfort flowed. Pentecost,
0: a day of hope and inspiration.
1: A day when the Holy Spirit was revealed in flaming glory. And the The glory glory was given given
0: to the people.
1: The fire of the Holy Spirit lives on in us. Sing praises.
0: We sing Sing praises praises indeed.
1: If you would remain standing, please, for our opening hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, in your United Methodist Hymnal number 89.
2: Let sunfold like flowers before the opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround thee, earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee, center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, chanting, call us to rejoice with thee. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed, wellspring of the joy of living, depth of happy rest. Thou our Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine teach us how to love each other lift us to the joy
3: divine.
2: mortal join the mighty chorus which the morning stars began love divine is reigning o'er us Singing march we onward Victors in the midst of strife Joyful music leads us onward Through the triumph song of
1: love. Thank you. You may be, may be seated. Please join with me in our opening prayer, also printed in your uh, bulletin. Spirit Spirit of truth, come Come among us to guide us in in the footsteps footsteps of Jesus. Jesus. Amaze and and astonish us us with the gifts already present present among us. Awaken us to the the wind and tongues of of fire waiting to fill us with new life and vigorous hope. hope. May May our our meditations meditations be be pleasing to you and our our service service to others be truly helpful, that your your great and glorious day may be be realized realized in our midst. Amen. Amen.
0: We are blessed to be receiving new members this morning, and those who are joining the church this morning, I'd invite you to come forward at this time and join me on the step up here so that you can be introduced and uh, respond to the questions of membership. Right along the uh front here, good morning. Come on up here. I'm going to step down here and uh sev- several of these folks I'm sure you already know, but uh, just in case you don't, I want to introduce to Eugene foiles who uh has been uh, with this church off and on for, for many years, and he even told me the other day going back to Trinity, the last uh, organist at, at Trinity Methodist before the merger, and so uh, it's good to have Gene with us, and, and uh, actually officially becoming a member now, so that's wonderful. Uh, we have Rod and Stephanie Loop, uh, who uh, both of you know have shared their talents with us. Stephanie's singing, uh, quite frequently, and today, I believe, and uh, Rod, uh, of course, preaching in my absence a month ago, and thank you for doing that, and, and really uh, bless both of you. Uh, we have a new couple here, Luke and, and Billy Snell, who uh, just moved to the area recently from Edwardsville, Illinois, and uh, have uh, joined us here the past uh, month or two, and, and are transferring their membership from St. John's UMC in, in Edwardsville, so welcome to you. We have... Uh, Bob and Pam Whipp, who have been here for a couple of years now, about the same length of time that I've been here, I believe. I think you got here just a little bit before I did, uh, and uh, have been waiting to join for quite some time. Now they were ready to join, actually, before, uh, before the COVID uh, shut down, and, and so we're glad to, to finally be able to, to have this membership time for you. Uh, Charles Manley is here, and uh, of course, many of you know Charles, been been here for, for quite some time, and uh, good to have you joining the membership And uh, same with with Donna Luttrell, and uh, has has been here for for some time and and, uh, finally getting the chance to to join the membership transferring from Centerville United Methodist. So welcome to all of you. I would uh, ask you, uh, you know, before we enter into the local church, we we enter into the body of Christ, and that happens in our baptism. And uh, so when we join a membership of the church, we reaffirm Uh, The commitment and and the vows that were made at our baptism. And so I would ask you these these questions that that were either you answered or were answered on your behalf in your baptism. Uh, Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so say, I do. And will you, according to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? If so say, I will. As members of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If so say, I will. And as members of this congregation, faith community, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so say, I will. We uh, welcome them as members of the United Methodist Church and as members of this community, Faith Community, and I would ask you to join with me in the response that is printed in your bulletin. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in Faith Community, United Methodist, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Will you welcome our new members? Thank you. You can go back to your seats. As they're going back to their seats, I should also mention Uh, that at the 11 o'clock service we're also going to be receiving a couple of other new members. Lenny Presok and Sarah Stout are going to be uh, joining the membership at the 11 o'clock service. And also at 11 o'clock we're going to have the privilege of baptizing Elizabeth Presok. So please be uh, in prayer for, for these folks as well as they enter into this community. I lost my place. (laughs) We're going to uh, join now in our prayer hymn, which is A Sweet, Sweet Spirit. It's in your hymnals at number 334.
2: lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place.
0: Let us pray. Lord, there is a Indeed, a sweet spirit in this place. And we know, Lord, that it is your Holy Spirit that you have blessed us with, that you have rained down upon us. Your Holy Spirit with which you have filled us, giving us your love, filling us with your peace, granting us your power for the living of these days. Lord, thank you for blessing this church this congregation in such a mighty way we thank you for these new people that that have come forward this morning to enter the membership of this church to offer themselves to living out their ministry here in this place to share the gospel with others here to build one another up in love to reach out to others I pray, Lord, that you would bless each one of them, that you would bless each one of us, that we might truly live out that calling that you have placed on each one of us, because, Lord, you have granted each of us special spiritual gifts, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of your church, for the transformation of this your world. And so, Lord, continue to move within us by your Holy Spirit. May we be fully yielded to you, so that it is not to ourselves that we live, but to you, to Christ who lives in us. Lord, thank you. As we continue to offer ourselves over to you, continue to bless us, we pray in Jesus' name, as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come
3: Got the whole world in his hand, he's got the whole world in his hand, he's got the whole world in his hand, he's got the whole. the woods and the waters in his hand he's got the woods and the waters in his hand he's got the sun the birds and the bees right in his hand. He's got the birds and the bees right in his hand. He's got the beasts of the field right in his hand. He's got the whole
1: Today's scripture lesson is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. in our own native tongue, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and Proselytites. Cretans and Arabs, in their own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to each other, "'What does this mean?' But others sneered and said, "'They are filled with new wine.' But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, "'Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, "'let this be known to you and listen to what I say. "'Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, "'for it is only nine o'clock in the morning.' And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be. be to God.
0: I think it takes the uh, gift of tongues to be liturgist on Pentecost Sunday, doesn't it? Thank you, Mike. This is, of course, Pentecost Sunday. It's not just Pentecost Sunday, though. In the, uh, in the United Methodist Church, this date also happens to be a, a day known as Heritage Sunday. Uh, Heritage Sunday and Pentecost are not always on the same Pentecost moves around from year to year, depending on the date of Easter. Pentecost is the 50th day of Easter, going back to the Jewish festival of Pentecost, which was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Jewish tradition held that this was the day that the law, the Torah, was delivered to Moses atop Mount Sinai. That's why Jews from every nation were there in Jerusalem just as all of the believers in Jesus were there as well. It was the day of Pentecost, a Jewish festival, that then became a Christian holy day because of what happened there in Jerusalem that day. Heritage Sunday is a specifically Methodist day. It's always on the Sunday closest to May 24th. That's because May 24th, 1738, is the day that John Wesley founder of the Methodist movement, had what could be called a conversion experience. Now, now even before that date, long before that, he he was to all outward appearances already a Christian. In fact, he was already a priest and a missionary and and a leader of a reform movement within the Church of England. Groups of, of people called Methodists had already been meeting under his leadership for over a decade. But it was on May 24th, 1738, that Wesley went to a Bible meeting on Aldersgate Street, very reluctantly, as he confessed in his journal, and felt his heart strangely warmed. It was at that meeting that that he first experienced the, the truth of the gospel in a personal way, knowing not just that Christ had died for all, but that Christ had died for him. Accepting the truth that that Jesus forgives not just everyone's sins, but Jesus had forgiven his sins and given him new life. Prior to that point, he had always felt like there was something lacking in his faith. He had recently returned to England from a a missionary journey in Savannah, Georgia, and while crossing the Atlantic, their ship was hit by a raging storm. He thought for sure that, that the boat would be sunk, that that everyone on board, including himself, was going to die. He was terrified for his life. On board that same ship, there were a group of Moravians who, right in the midst of the worst part of the storm, were sitting quietly, reading their Bibles and praying. They sat calmly and didn't seem to be afraid at all. What kind of faith was this? Wesley wondered that could allow that kind of peace in the middle of a terrifying, life-threatening storm at sea? And why didn't he have that kind of faith? That question plagued him for some time after returning to England, so much so that he considered leaving the ministry. He felt like a sham, because he knew that he didn't have the kind of faith that he was preaching. Until that day on Aldersgate Street, when his heart was strangely warmed and his eternal life was secured. Like I say, that date wasn't the start of Methodism. Methodism as a movement had begun at least a decade earlier. But it was that event, an encounter with God, which, by the way, his brother Charles had experienced the same thing just a few days earlier, which gave impetus to Methodism as a movement of God and not of man. It it proved that the religion that we proclaim is not just a following of rules or a particular method of life, but a matter of the heart, a matter of God getting hold of a person, a matter of faith, and an act of grace. Now to the story of Pentecost in Acts 2. Jesus had told His disciples, we saw this last week, He told them to wait in Jerusalem, until they had received what was promised by the Father, until they had been clothed with power from on high, they were to wait for that holy power. This is an important theological and missional point. And it is, it's an example of why we have to have all four Gospels taken together. There, there would be so much left out, so much that we would miss, and so much, honestly, that we would get wrong in our endeavor to be the church if we only had one of the Gospels. Consider, for instance, the ending of Matthew's Gospel. At the end of Matthew 28, the risen Jesus, meeting with the disciples atop a mountain in Galilee, issues what we know of as the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's all that Matthew tells us. That's as far as his gospel goes. He, he doesn't tell us about the ascension of Jesus into heaven. He, he doesn't tell us about the Holy Spirit being poured out on the disciples at Pentecost. If all you had was Matthew's Gospel alone, without what Luke and John tell us about the Holy Spirit, you would think that Jesus was sending the disciples out to carry out the work of converting the whole world by their own power. And sometimes, don't we act like that's the way? Sometimes, perhaps oftentimes, we try to carry out the work of ministry by our power. We act as if it's all up to us to figure it out, to get it right. It's all about our efforts and our talents and our intelligence, our work ethic, our willpower. Go out there and make disciples, you! But that's not actually what Jesus meant. And we know that's not what Jesus meant because we have Luke and John to tell us. When Jesus says at the end of Matthew, remember I'm with you always to the end of the age, if we don't know about the Holy Spirit, then that just sounds like some general encouragement. Like like Jesus is watching on from the sidelines or looking down from above, cheering us on, but the work is all on us. That is not what the Father promised. And that is not how the church gets built. If the disciples had set out from that mountain Galilee immediately upon Jesus issuing the Great Commission and they started trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ near and far using their own words, following their own methods, it would have gone nowhere. It would have fizzled out and died just like so many other upstart religions throughout history. Fortunately, perhaps I should say graciously, that is not what they did. That is not what happened. Instead, Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Father. He, he had stated that promise several times in John sixteen seven, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. In Luke twenty four forty nine, see I am sending upon you what the Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. In Acts one five, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This gift, this pouring out of the Spirit, what Jesus called several times the promise of the Father, it goes back much further than than these statements of Jesus to His disciples. This goes back hundreds of years to the Old Testament times. Peter shows this when when he quotes from the prophet Joel, explaining what was happening that day. Joel too, starting at verse 28, I will pour out My Spirit on all flesh, declares the Lord. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female slaves in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter, stood before the crowds, the multitudes on that day of Pentecost, and he quoted those verses from Joel, declaring that this prophecy, this promise of God to pour out His Spirit on all flesh is exactly what they were seeing take place in front of their very own eyes. The promise of God made hundreds of years earlier was being fulfilled in their very presence. There are actually two promises of Jesus that I want us to consider this morning, and both of them are fulfilled in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Those two promises are His promise of peace and His promise of power. Jesus promised His disciples His peace, and He promised them His power. Both of these promises are, are fulfilled in the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we need to consider both because just one without the other Can lead us astray. Jesus said to his disciples during their last evening together, just hours before his arrest, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. My peace I give to you. The disciples didn't feel that peace right away. They didn't experience that peace immediately. When Jesus was arrested, they were angry. When he was tortured, they were fearful. When he was nailed to the cross, they were downright terrified. When he died, they were in despair. They had any number of thoughts going through their heads, any number of emotions running rampant. Christ's peace was not one of them. When the risen Jesus appeared to the disciples on that first Easter Sunday. Do you remember where they were? They were in a locked room for fear of the Jews. They were afraid. They were afraid that the same thing that had been done to Jesus would be done to them. A week later, Jesus appeared again, this time with Thomas present. Do you remember where they were then? In that same locked room doesn't say that they were there in fear, but their behavior sure hadn't changed. They were still keeping to themselves. They were still hiding. Even after they knew that Christ is risen, they were still showing anxiety. They were still confused. They were still lacking that peace. Even though Jesus said several times, peace be with you, that gift of peace was still somehow eluding them. But then, look what happens on the day of Pentecost. They start off the day gathered together again inside a house, all of them believers. But then the Holy Spirit comes upon them, the Holy Spirit fills them, and all of a sudden, their fear is gone. Their confusion is gone, their hesitation is gone. Peter stands up and preaches a sermon in front of thousands of people from every nation, including some of the same people who had crucified Jesus. And he proclaims boldly, Jesus, the one that you killed, is alive. And He is Lord. And everyone who calls on His name will be saved. Think about that. These same people that just weeks earlier, Peter had been hiding from in order to save his life. Now he is preaching life to them without a bit of fear because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit had come upon him and he had received that gift of peace. Now he knew that his salvation Now he knew that he had nothing to fear. He he knew that he was Christ's own and he had that peace. Not because of intellectual beliefs. He, He had had those same beliefs for weeks. But now, now he had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit witnessing to his spirit, testifying to his spirit, comforting his spirit, assuring him that he was safe and secure in the loving arms of God. One of the words that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit is comforter. Comforter. By comfort, he didn't mean that the Holy Spirit would take away all of our troubles, that that he would fix all of the circumstances of our lives to our immediate liking. Neither did he mean that the Holy Spirit would just pat us on the head and say, it's going to be all right. What Jesus meant by comforter is that the Holy Spirit would fill us with His presence in a way that would give us His peace. That same peace that saw Jesus through the crucifixion. That same peace that allowed Peter to proclaim the gospel to people who might want to kill him for it. That same peace that allowed a group of Moravians to quietly pray on a ship that was Tossed about by a raging storm. That same peace that allowed John Wesley to claim the truth of the gospel for himself, to know that his sins were forgiven and his salvation assured. That same peace that can allow you to see, to see, to face all of the troubles and trials of this world, and still to proclaim with confidence I know that I am a child of God and that I will be with Him in glory. So I have nothing to fear at all in this world. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if, in fact, we suffer with him, so that we may be glorified with him. That assurance, that assurance of salvation is the peace that God promises us, and it comes to us as a gift of the Holy Spirit. But more than just peace, God also promises power. Great power. And I don't mean physical strength. That's not what Jesus meant when he said, wait until you have been clothed with power from on high. The power he was talking about is whatever it takes to do what God has called you to do. Because make no mistake, you can't do it of your power. On the day of Pentecost, that power manifests itself in the speaking in tongues. Tongues the believers began speaking in languages they didn't know. People gathered together from every nation, heard the Word proclaimed in their own native tongue. That power was manifesting, giving Peter the words to preach to thousands of people. He hadn't prepared for that. He hadn't studied for that moment. He didn't even know that that moment was coming. But when the opportunity came, when the Holy Spirit started to move, the Holy Spirit gave him the words and the voice to proclaim truth for all to hear. And that power of the Holy Spirit was manifest in the multitudes that were brought to faith that day. The passage starts out saying that all of the believers were gathered together in one house, about 120 of them. That's all the Christians that there were in the entire world at that time. About 120. And then the Holy Spirit shows up. And they all start proclaiming the Gospel in different languages. And Peter gives a a sermon to the multitudes. And and verse 41 says, so those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. 3,000. The church went from 120 members to to 3,120 members in one day. I can guarantee you it wasn't Peter's preaching that did that. I mean, I'm sure he was a great preacher. I don't doubt that he was a better preacher than me. I'm not taking anything away from Peter. But it's not great preaching that converts 3,000 people to Jesus Christ in one day. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that converts 3,000 people to Jesus Christ in one day peace, and power. These are the promises of God that are given to us when we are filled with his Holy Spirit. And as I said before, if we focus on one to the exclusion of the other, we're going to get it wrong. If I have the peace of Christ reigning in my heart, but I leave off the power the power to do the things that that God is calling me to do, the power to fulfill the mission Christ has for me, then Christianity becomes a very self-centered religion. All I care about is my own salvation, my own consolation. I, I just hang on to that until I escape from this world and meet God in glory. God didn't call you to escape from this world. God called you to transform this world. By the power of the Gospel. Go and make disciples of all nations. Not by your strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. The flip side of that is when I try and live into that calling by the power of the Holy Spirit, but I don't have the peace of Christ in myself. That's what Wesley was doing when he was going across the world on missions and forming Methodist societies, but didn't have that personal faith, that peace of Christ in his heart. And so he almost gave up. The fact is, we're going to face many failures in this life. No matter how talented we are, how gifted we are, no matter how well we plan and how expertly we execute those plans, some things just don't go according to plan. We're going to come up against obstacles that we just don't know how to face. We're going to have losses and disappointments and sorrows. We need that peace of Christ telling us that our value in God's sight is not based on our performance. Our value in God's eyes is based on nothing but His grace. The reward we have waiting for us is not based on number of conversions or a number of baptisms or a number of new church members. I mean, I'm thrilled to have 11 new members joining the church today, but I need to remember that that's not what determines my heavenly reward. What determines my heavenly reward is nothing but the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And I can know that grace. I can experience that peace. By the gift of the Holy Spirit. Filling me with God's presence and love. Witnessing to my spirit that I am a child of God. That I am saved. You can have that peace and that power too. It is the promise of God. Which He has fulfilled in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit fill you that the peace of Christ and the power of God may be yours. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able for our closing hymn, which is number 140 in the hymnals. Great is thy faithfulness.
2: Faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changes not Thy compassions; they fail not. As I hast been, Thou Thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, to mercies I see. All I eyes.
0: May the Holy Spirit witness to your spirit that you are a child of God, that you may receive his peace and live in his power. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.